Welcome to Drive the Bid, the podcast brought to you by AutoHunter.com and ClassicCars.com. Just a reminder, AutoHunter.com is a seven-day online auction for your classic, vintage, and interesting collector vehicles. We like to list anything that would be considered a collector car or an enthusiast car. You have a seven-day auction, starts Monday, ends Monday, starts Wednesday, ends Wednesday, etc. And we do allow for a reserve uh, before the car goes live on the auction. We will agree to a reserve price with you if you would like, or we could do a no reserve, which obviously sometimes adds a little excitement to the auction and brings in some more bidders. Uh, Right now, we are also offering free photography session if there's one in your area for photos of your car, professional photos of your car to help present it even better. So please check us out, autohunter.com and our sister site, which is classiccars.com, which is a standard classified listing site. Now that the official business is out of the way, I have sitting in front of me, as always, Mr. Jalopy Jeff Sutton. Yep. And over here, Mr. No nickname, Derek Shaky. Uh, you can call me There Will Be Cars, Derek Shaky. Oh, oh, yeah, oh man, well, I really blew that, didn't I? I forgot. <laughs> I shouldn't have forgotten that. Wow, I'm a little big jerk. So, well, I always love doing a shameless plug. So this, that gave me the opportunity. Yes. He does have a YouTube channel called "There Will Be Cars," and that is where you can find Derek's work. And Jalopy Jeff obviously has a YouTube channel and a, more importantly, a TikTok channel. That's right. But you can also actually see Jeff on the Auto Hunter YouTube channel and the ClassicCars.com YouTube channel. He's a, a, a man of many talents and many worlds, I guess. So, and me, as always, my name is Brad DeSantis. Uh, Otherwise known as Auto Off Topic Brad, I guess we could do that. Well, I have it also on our YouTube channel, and it, yes, I have on the YouTube channel as well. And I do have my own uh, podcast where I talk about uh, mostly rusty old garbage that me and my friend Andrew have played <laughs> with over the years. But that's a whole different kind of subject. So we're here today. This is going to be part two of our Mustang discussion. We were all pretty excited last week. There was a new Mustang released. Well, there was the images and story and facts of a new Mustang release. The car is not actually out yet, obviously, but there was the announcement last week. So it got us thinking, and we ran out of time last week to have this conversation, but we didn't want to let it slide. There have been, I guess this is the seventh generation Mustang? Yes, seventh generation So there are, at this moment in time, there are six generations of Mustangs, which you can go out and purchase. So we thought it might be fun to kind of break down a little bit where they started from, where they came from, uh, sorry, where they've gone to, and what are the better generations. And maybe at some point today, the three of us will give our dissertation of what is our personal favorite generation of Mustang, to which the other two of us will harass and make fun of and tell them why their generation is wrong. Perfect. We will go from there. So Mustang. First year Mustang, 1964 and a half. Okay. Oh, correct? Yep. Yeah. Model years, I think they're all actually 65s. 65s is the official year. Correct. Release, but, they, but they came out earlier than most 65, so the Mustang faithful will call it a 64 and a half. Well, to give credit to those people, the main difference is there's actually some mechanical um, differences between a 64 and a half and an actual 65 car. So the 64 and a half car actually has a generator versus the 65 cars all have alternators. So to their credit, there is an actual difference in cars. It's not like they're being super nitpicky and going, my car is VIN number, blah, blah, blah. So it's a 64 and a half. The majority of 64 and a halves on the road today that are not Conquest restorations probably no longer have a generator. This is also yeah. probably true. 
it's not definitely not as efficient as an actual alternator. But so. there is something to their argument, is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with that. So I personally love first generation Mustangs, and I think it's cool the amount of facelifts that they went through. I would argue even it's almost as if there's multiple generations within the first generation Mustang. Yeah, almost like a subgenre, like mm-hmm. a subgeneration, like you have a or a series. I always call it a series. Sure, series one, series two. I know I come from the world of roast me now guys uh mitsubishi eclipses and we have the <laughs> one like a 1g and a 2 1g and a 2g mm-hmm. both in the 1g you have a 1g a which is a pop-up headlight car and a 1g b which is the redesign with fixed headlights and the same there's a 2g 2g a 2g b so that's kind of how we as mitsubishi enthusiasts uh just discuss that all five of us so that's the <laughs> the general conversation there so i could see saying series one series two um, the early cars, 64 and a half, 65, 66. 67 would have been the redesign. 67 first redesign. redesign. 68 is similar to 67. 60, There's yep. some minor trim changes. And, 69, and then 70. 69 changes again well, to a slightly longer looking car. I don't know if the wheelbase is They're much longer, heftier, yes. But it's a much bigger looking car they for sure. More. Yeah. So, cool. And 71, 72 is a totally different car. And then on top of that, you also have a convert. So in the first gen cars, you have a convertible, a notchback coupe, and a fastback. Yeah. So to, I guess, you know, break them down, the the early cars um, was very much, I guess, exactly what they wanted to build. It was a very small, lightweight car, basically almost intended as a, uh, another version of the Falcon um, when it came out. And then, well, it's based on a Falcon, which is important right. to note, too. It's all underpinnings are Falcon. Starting in 67, the car be, got bigger. And the main goal of that was introducing a larger engine block, i.e. at the time it was the 390. Okay. And then in 68, introduced the first year of the Cobra Jet. So then the Mustang got its street and drag racing reputation back. And then the car was redesigned with... Iacocca helping the redesign in 67 and 68, but starting to come to the heftier versions in 69 and then 70 with the other facelift, um, the car was getting much heftier and further and further away from its initial roots of what Iacocca envisioned for the car. Yeah, I was, I was looking it up earlier today, and the when they switched to like the early 70s, the sports roof, you know, the longer nose yes. and all that, mm-hmm. it was 600 pounds heavier. Yeah, that's that car is the worst defender of the first generation Mustang because it's bigger and heavier in just about every way and didn't do anything else to really make up for it. It was forward heading in the direction of luxury cars is kind of what was happening at that point. Well, I got to be honest with you guys. Uh, you're probably not surprised by this. I have a soft spot for that that uh, series because it was featured in a James Bond movie, Diamonds Are Forever. Well, you know, I think I think they're pretty good looking cars, especially yeah. when you start to look at some of the other 70s stuff that was coming out at the time. And the other plus side is they're affordable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one one draw to them, definitely. And it's, it just seems like a cruiser as a, as opposed to a sports car. But you can definitely get a big engine in one. You can get a Boss 351, and there are mm-hmm. Mach 1 variations, and there's definitely performance versions of them. Uh, and they're they're certainly not the most lauded Mustang. There are other Mustangs that are, are liked even less. Yes. Uh, I personally love them. Um, I'm not going to say they're my favorite generation, but I, I do like them. They're a neat-looking car. They're a different-looking car. They're very Torino-esque, I think, more than yes. Mustang because they're bigger-looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up with my father. Didn't have one when I was around, but before I was born, he had a series of, like, three of them. 
So I've always kind of, he said like pictures of them on the wall and I've seen pictures of his cars from before I was around and I've kind of liked them because of that. And also I grew up watching the original Gone in 60 Seconds, mm. which has Eleanor. that, which has the original Eleanor, not the car that shall not that be talked about today. on this podcast. Oh, you mean your favorite. Oh, I hate <laughs> that car so much. Uh, personal preference. I just don't like the Nick Cage Eleanor car because it's a very dated custom. It was built in early 2000s it's got a very it specific looks like style it. to it yeah. yeah and way too many mustang fastbacks have been ruined making copies so that's my pers- <laughs> my personal opinion about that car i don't if you disagree with me that's totally fine i just strongly dislike them and before we move on to the next generation we also have not mentioned the other movie car that's a first generation mustang and that would be the bullet Sure. 1968, oh, yeah. two plus two fastback. Well, we can also bring up earlier James Bond films because yeah, that's they true. used yeah. in Goldfinger the 64 and a half car as a yep. product placement Before it was deal. Out. Yep. Yeah, so it was important in James Bond. I think also in they featured what, a 65. That was a fastback. I don't remember what movie it was. In Which a, James Bond movie? Yeah, the, what a fastback. What came, what, whatever it, movie came out after. It was all oh, on the island. Oh, oh yeah, right? Thunderball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah green uh, fastback. Yeah, Fiona yeah. Volpe had a. It was like a turquoise. I want to say it was a. Conv- it's either a convertible or a coupe. And yeah, she was driving way too fast for his comfort. Yeah, you guys yes. reminded me of that. I'd forgotten yeah, about so that yeah, one. There's definitely There's a lot of Mustangs. Mustangs in James Bond films. Yep. Early James Bond films, anyway, not the later ones. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And it wouldn't be God did anything but a BMW or an Aston Martin. So, yeah. well, well and, the, and, you know, one of the, uh, on a personal level, one of the formative experiences for me, speaking of uh, Goldfinger, when I was a kid, my dad would take me to go buy, you know, a lot of like, you know, Michigan cars and stuff. And, uh, you know, like, post-World War II GM trucks, and one of the cars he bought, he still has it. Um, unfortunately, he never got it running, but he still has it. It's a it's a 65, I always call it the Goldfinger Mustang, because it's a white Mustang convertible with a uh, red interior. And uh, I think that one has heat and AC, which I oh, always nice. remember him telling me is, you know, that's that's rare for these. So yeah, the, the AC is for sure. Heat, mm-hmm. not so much. That was a pretty standard thing. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope so. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, you know, that was one of the cars. I was a little kid. I just remember going with them to get. And yeah, maybe one of these days fix it up. We'll see. Now you know. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> well, I hope that I can help you with that sometime. We'd like to go get that car. Yeah, That'd be that fun. would be cool. Be fun road trip to Texas mm-hmm. to pick that thing up and drag it back here and Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That that would be that'd be fantastic. If we're talking personal connections, I might as well talk about my first gen oh, Mustang too. Yep. Because not my first gen Mustang too. My first gen Mustang <laughs> also. Because I also T O O. Yes. Uh, so Naomi has a nineteen sixty eight Mustang that her mother purchased in nineteen seventy from the original owner. We have owned the car in the family since 1970. We have a bunch of paperwork that's had since day one. We have the purchase and sales agreement where she paid like, I think, $1,700 for this you know used Mustang. It's a very cool car. It's in many pieces right now because it was taken off the road, I think, in the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. And it was put in storage in Oklahoma where her mother lived. And unfortunately, the person who had it in storage didn't keep a close eye on it and somebody was hanging out in that garage and stole the engine out of the car naturally as oh, one does. Yeah, yeah so that's annoying so we are currently working on it we do have an engine at home to build for it we did find a new transmission so it's interesting it is a 1968 coupe so not a fastback so it's the second year of the 
redesigned kind of a little bit Mustang, the 67, 68s. The concave taillights. <laughs> concave taillights, the longer nose with like the more tunneled in headlights as well. Uh, but it's really cool because it is a factory 302, not 289. Oh, four nice. barrel, four speed air conditioning car. Nice. So it's definitely, definitely a cool car. So mm-hmm. we'll get that thing put together and back on the road pretty, pretty soon, hopefully. That's the, as the weather breaks here in Arizona because it's been. 100,000 degrees, as it usually is here in the summertime. <laughs> uh, as the weather breaks, we're going to start, you know, digging into that car and starting with the engine to rebuild. So, because we got a new engine. So, hopefully, we get that together soon. So, yeah, that's exciting. Also, a personal Mustang story. You're so, the man for the job, Brad. I don't know about that, but I'm the one who's doing it. So, <laughs> I, you're, right, you're right. I am the man who is doing it. Whether there's not somebody better than me, that's remains to be seen. I'll let you know. But that'll be basically a stock restoration with a couple of minor improvements to make it drivable in a modern setting. Better cooling, different brakes, stuff like that. If uh, you don't give it a Shelby drop, did you really build a Mustang? It's getting a Shelby drop yeah. at all news has mentioned, and it's going to have a, uh, I have a Holley Sniper EFI unit for it. Oh. Nice. And a couple other little trick parts here and there, but it'll look stock, it'll drive stock, and it'll be the car that both Naomi and her mother remember driving, because Naomi actually drove this a few times when she was in high school and college. So she's oh, really stoked to get this thing back on the road. So Sure. And as as am I, of course. It's cool to have a Mustang around the house. <laughs> it yeah. would be, yeah. But anyway, so moving back on to we're in the generation of, I guess that second generation is the 70. No, that's still first. No, no, the fastback style, like the Eleanor car. Wait, that's, what? That's still first generation? Or is that second generation? Second you generation right. still, would be the number they, two. They still consider that first generation. Yes, which so was my like point series, earlier. That would be a Series 3, solid, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so the sports roof cars, I feel like, should be separate, especially because it was considered a major redesign on behalf of Ford. So the first time we saw the design was actually prior to 71. It would have been with the GT500. The Shelby GT500 had that four-inch nose extension. Right. Um, with, uh, I mean, the difference being that it had the Thunderbird sequential taillights. Mm-hmm. Um, but we saw the design then and Shelby had no say in that design. And that's also when Shelby's partnership split up in 69 when they went separate ways. And then that carried over, obviously when we first saw it in 71, those taillights first showed up on a Mustang before that though, with the California special. So those are Mercury. Oh, okay. So the 68 would have been Mercury sequential taillights. And then 69 is Thunderbird sequential taillights. Interesting. That is, yes, that is an easy one. That's a fact I didn't actually know. I didn't know it either until somebody corrected me and I had to Google it because that's, oh, they look so similar. Yeah. Yeah. Like, unless you are a diehard Ford guy, you wouldn't put it together. But there's like, basically the only difference is like one has chrome bars in the middle and one doesn't. Interesting. You're like, wow. So one's Mercury. I I like that look. I love the California special Mm -hmm. look. Like the the classic California 68 California special is like an Acapulco blue coupe, which is what our Mustang is, an Acapulco blue over Acapulco blue interior coupe. So it's neat to kind of look at California special, but not. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the taillights, but I've always liked that look. So, all right. So let's move on from that car now on to the second generation cars. Oh, boy. (laughs) There's going to be some hate here, obviously. Yes. Uh, this car was called the Mustang Two. Yeah, it's now not T O O but T W O. I think it's also important to realize where the U S was when this car came out as this, well. This is oil crisis. <laughs> yes, this is oil crisis, and this is also emissions crisis. Not yes. crisis, but like this is when cars really were 
for the lack of a better word, all of the muscle cars were neutered. Yeah, yeah Malaysia people era. thought the that was this was I guess the end of car people. Sure, in car which is what's being said again now. Which, yeah, where it, happened, I'm like, it, it happens every it happened now and again then. In, the happened 80s, 80s, happened yeah. again in the eighties, happened again in the nineties. It, yes. it is what it is. Cars will continue, I think. But so. The newest addition for this is that the base model car was now available with a four-cylinder. Correct. Which is crazy to think about. Is it? I I think it is cause because the, the when next, we think about the original car, it was a six-cylinder. But if you move up to the next generation, there was still a four-cylinder. You move up to mm. the SN something something something. Well, that, terrible with chassis codes. That, that's about the one ninety-five. Have the EcoBoost. EcoBoost. Yeah, there you go. Yes. There's a four-cylinder EcoBoost in the newer right, cars. Right, but in the S195 and S197, there was no, no but they four-cylinder. Four-liter. V6 was the base. V6s, they were terrible. <laughs> Might as well be four-cylinders. Now, anyway, here's going the thing, back, though. Go ahead. Uh, in the Mustang 2, the four-cylinder wasn't turboed, right? No. Yeah, that's... Yep. Oof. It was a uh, Pinto-based four-cylinder. Uh, I believe there were there might have been two four cylinder options. There was a Pinto based four cylinder, and then I think there was a, a there was different a two point three liter Pinto motor. Yeah, and there was a two point six liter V six. Right, and then the V eight. There was not a second four cylinder. And talking about performance versions, the let me make sure I don't get this wrong. The Mach one, if I'm not mistaken, was a V six, and that was the only one available with a manual transmission. Um, that was a performance model, so to speak. Because you could eventually get a 3.8, or sorry, a V8. You could eventually yeah. get a V8, but you couldn't get that until the later packages, which was a 302. Cobra and King Cobra. And the King Cobra. Yeah. And then that was 78. 76 was the Cobra 2, and 78 was the King Cobra, I think. Mm. Yeah, King Cobra was 78. But the Mach 1 was a V6 with a 5-speed manual transmission, which is pretty interesting. So, because we're in America... Mm-hmm. Americans hate four cylinders and Americans hate V6s. Yep. And wagons. And wagons, and apparently. Wagons. Europeans love four cylinders, mm-hmm. love V6s, and they love wagons. I don't know why we're talking about wagons right now, but that's okay. Well, we can talk about Audis too because there's a new performance version that we're not getting in the US. No, we're talking about Fords right now. <laughs> this, is a must, this is an all Mustang show today. So the Pinto 2.3 is known in this country as a Pinto engine. And yep. everybody just immediately laughs and makes jokes about cars bursting into flames. But the cool thing about the Pinto engine, and this is where I'm going to get on my little high horse here about Mustang 2s. Mm-hmm. Pun intended. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> I'm going to get on my little horse here about Mustang 2s. So the Mustang 2 holds true to the original Mustang formula. The original Mustang well, in 1964 was designed as a sporty coupe version of an economy car and came with a very low horsepower very slow engine as a base model yep it was based on a ford falcon with all falcon underpinnings the mustang 2 mustang also no mustang 2 this time <laughs> we'll call it the mustang dose for clarity for clarification <laughs> the mustang dose was based on a ford pinto which was the economy yep. car of the time and came with a small engine now my point about the 2.3 liter engine is in the rest of the world knew how to hot rod a 2.3 Pinto motor because over in Europe, they sold them in Ford Escorts. And now Ford Escorts of the 70s were nothing like the Ford Escorts that us Americans know in the 80s. Correct. Yep. They were rear wheel drive. Rally, liter, rally legends. Two liter, 1.8, 1.6, 2.3 liter Pinto based engines. 
And there are guys out there that had, you know, naturally aspirated 200 horsepower plus Pinto motors, which is pretty good for a small, lightweight car. Also, this new Mustang was significantly smaller than the generation outgoing at that point. The Mustang had grown to this huge thing and then went back down to being the small car again. You know what I will say, though? If you ever want to, I guess Halloween is around the corner-ish. Sure. Um, if you ever want to dress up as a car that'll scare people, the King Cobra Two. That I, that car terrifies me. The extra body work that got added on to that. I'm going to tell you right now, uh-huh. with absolutely zero shame, I would 100% drive a Mustang too. Oh, I could totally see that. Now that being said, and I know that I'm known for having weird automotive tastes, but. If you took the Ford Mustang badge off this car and you put any other manufacturer's badge on this car, and it, or even a Ford, but called something other than a Mustang, people would be like, that's a pretty neat little car. But it's only because mm. people see the Ford Mustang and they go, what happened, Ford Mustang? And they forget that the 1973 Mustang also was kind of like, I mean, the sports roof was kind of cool. The Eleanor kind of car was kind of cool. But a base model Grande 73 Mustang was yeah. nothing to look at. No. And no. I think, arguably, the Mustang 2 is an improvement over a base model 73. Mm-hmm. They came with cool plaid interiors. There was a Ghia package with all kinds of, like, chrome and neat little touches and tufted yeah, leather. And I think I would take the 73. A Grande Coupe over a Fastback 74. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're. Uh, I think I would. But let's let's think about other cars that came out in the mid seventies that were that were aimed at enthusiasts and were selling. Fastbacks. There are lots of terrible cars. Toyota Celicas. Well, yeah, those are good. Four cylinder fastback. You just said they are good. What Celicas makes it any? Good. What makes it any better I than just, a Mustang too? Honestly, it's the front end that, that kills me. For very the similar too. design, I think. What? They have a big bumper on the front, but that was mandated by the government. The Celica yeah. also has a big bumper on the front, mandated by the government, and it's also terrible. It takes away from the original design. People backdate their Celicas to look like seventy twos because they have a thinner bumper. In seventy four, whether you went to the Toyota dealer to buy that, or you went to the Ford dealer to buy this or any of the other 70s economy cars or import cars that were here at the time, the, the, the Nissan 200SX. Have you ever seen a 1974 Nissan 200SX? Do we want to? Um, I, I think I have, because it looks like an awful lot like some of the other uh, sort of it notchback. Looks like a, it looks like a UFO. It's a very weird-looking car, uh, especially with the done. American bumpers. It's a very weird car. Hmm. The Mustang 2 in period I don't think is as bad as... Its reputation has made it out to be. In fact, I'll probably one day buy one because I like them. <laughs> well, we'll hold you to that. Listen, I own three Dodge Colts, so I can't really talk, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, they kind of remind me of the Maverick a little bit. You know, they're probably, what, a different size, but they kind of they're, they're, remind me Maverick's of Maverick's actually, I think, a little bit bigger. And significantly better looking. Arguably. But when the Maverick got big bumpers... The Maverick was pretty goofy looking. That's true. A small bumper Maverick is a good looking car. A big bumper Maverick is kind of like a four door Mustang too, or two doors as well. But yeah, and a lot of people wouldn't touch a Maverick unless it was a grabber, right? I also like Mavericks. Anyway, so that four cylinder is very loved in other parts of the world, and this day and age now, a lot of like Saturday night circle track racers 
with their two frame race cars run those 2.3s because they know how to make power out of them now and they know how mm-hmm. to make them work very well sure the other engine option the v6 is the ford cologne v6 so it's a german built engineered v6 engine they may have built them here but originally they were built in germany they came in the uh, ford capri which was sold here as a nice. Mercury Capri. Also, don't know why you say very nice, because the <laughs> mid-70s ones also had these big bumpers on them, and if you parked it next to a Mustang too, you might not know the difference. I'm telling you, it's the Mustang name. If you took it off of there and you called it a Capri, or you called it a Granada Sport, I don't know, was that something, you would have been okay with this car existing. You, It's just the name Mustang, much like enthusiasts of today see the Mustang Mach-E, and they go, ugh, why is that a Mustang? It's the same reaction. So that, that part doesn't bother me as much because you see brands change all the time. I think, if anything, I'd probably give Ford the most credit as far as maintaining a fairly like standard understanding of what a Mustang is throughout their generations as far as like not doing anything too crazy that might taint. No, again, this Mustang 2 is very similar in concept to the Mustang 1. And I agree with that. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think of all... You know, we could discuss this at the end, but of all the Mustang generations, I think the Mach 1 idea is cool. I think it's fun that there's a different performance aspect of V6 with a five-speed manual. I think yep. it's kind of fun. I mean, I, I have a scale Mustang 2 on my desk. You do. So yes. I have I have issues. I but just, yeah. <laughs> I like them. I, I also like mid-70s Dodge Aspen, so who knows. <laughs> I just think that they got a bad rap and they're not bad cars. Much along the lines of the cars based on the Pinto. The Pinto got a bad rap because, sure. I, I, we killed, never say it, anything about performance, though. It killed some people. We'll, we'll forget about that. Yes. It was not good. It was Ford's fault. Yeah. But then Ford fixed it. Yeah. And they added that piece of rubber to isolate the two pieces of metal from sparking and uh, exploding. Yes. Safety, yeah. But the average consumer just saw an economy car that could kill them. But if you look back in the time... You know, certain enthusiasts knew about the platform of the car and what its parts were based on and the European escorts of the time that were dominating in race series. Mm-hmm. And they applied that to American Pintos. And there were some pretty dominating SCCA Pintos back in the day, too. So even its base car isn't terrible. So I like Mustang 2s. I like Pintos. Hold me to it. It's fine. Yeah. No, not a problem. You can do that. To the next generation? The next generation. I'm not saying the the... the Mustang 2 is my favorite either. I'm just, mm. I'm giving it a defense that it doesn't usually get. I think is what I'm getting. I'm rooting for the underdog here, guys. Well, I, I see I see your logic in it. Yeah, and, you know, usually, yeah, that's the standard line. It's like, yeah, Mustang 2s, they stink. So I've never heard anybody, you know, praise them or defend them, but it sounds... I don't know I'm praising them, but, well, I mean... You know, you're, you're, not, you're not just automatically tearing it down sure. let's say that let's put it this way every car built between 74 and 78 was pretty terrible <laughs> yes they had a very hard time except for the trans am it was still terrible it was 455 cubic inches and 180 for horsepower and, yeah, yeah. so it wasn't horsepower. great it just it made the most horsepower because it had the most displacement you will never be able to tell me that the 77 78 trans am is not the greatest malaise car i'm not saying it's not planet. but i'm just saying also by the numbers it's not great it's just Given its time period, in any other time in history of automobiles, if you came out with a 455 cubic inch V8 with a four-barrel carburetor that got 12 miles to the gallon, and you were like, this thing makes 180 horsepower, (laughs) everybody would laugh at you at any other time period. But, you know, to be fair, that's why I wanted to put it in perspective for the Mustang 2 as well, just instead of 
just looking at it as the Mustang that first opened up with a four cylinder. Because, I, like I said, I think it all makes sense. I just personally don't prefer, especially the the, the King Cobra. I think the extra bodywork and it's extended great. bumpers. I think is, it's very period. It makes the car. Yes, it is in that sense, but. I don't know how you can like a Trans Am, which has its the extra spats. Sort of like over it's the top. chicken on the hood versus this. I should have snake yeah, on the hood. I, I mean, it's, it's similar, right? Certain uh, color options for the King Cobra had the same sort of pinstriping that showed some of the flaring there of the body work and stuff. There was a black version available with like orange yes. and yellow, which mm-hmm. is very similar yes, to... Yes, that's exactly the one I'm thinking of in my head um, that had similar pinstriping that ran around the body work to sort of highlight the shape. Yep. Similar to the Trans Am. But yeah, I don't know why. I just... Anyway... I think it's funky. Let's move on to the third generation Mustang. The ice, ice car. This is 5-0. known, obviously, as the Fox Body, correct? Yep. So I think the does the Fox Body refer specifically to specific years of? So it's the whole generation seventy nine to ninety three okay. is a Fox Body. I think it's something to do with internal, um, plat like internal Ford platforms mm-hmm. because it was also the Granada yeah. or Fairmont was a Fox, maybe both. And the Mercury Zephyr or the Fox platform. And there was a Thunderbird yes, based on it. Similar. There was a Lincoln based on it. Mm-hmm. All kinds of stuff based on that platform. So it was a pretty common Ford platform. But I don't want to take over the whole conversation here. But No, go I, ahead. I think that this is the first retro Mustang. Because if you put mm. a Fox body notchback coupe next to a 64 notchback coupe, there's no denying it's the same car. Yeah, I, I can suppose. see it in the roof line, but the, the general, the overall general shape of the car is very similar, especially with that notchback roof line. And then the original Mustang was available at a notchback, a fastback, and a convertible. And the Fox Body Mustang was available at a notchback, a fastback, and a convertible. So I just think that there's a very similar feel between the two cars. So. Yeah, I'd argue slightly against that just for the fact that the Fox body's body wasn't trying to replicate the original shape necessarily. It's still it very clearly like 70s, 80s throughout its run um, as far as... And uh, another thing is it would, through the facelift, right, going from the early headlights that are the uglier style, if you ask me, and then switching to the Ford, I'm forgetting the term, um, the Taurus sort of popularized the sort of flow aerodynamic yeah, headlight they, shape they that became later. For it yes, too, I'm like forgetting the name of it. Light or something. Yes, but um, which later were also added to the Fox everything. body, and I prefer yeah. those personally. Mm-hmm. I think that body style is the best. You're not a four-eyed fox guy? No, not particularly. Don't even like it on the Mercury either. As a guy who has to wear glasses, I prefer four-eyed fox better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, these are uh, to give it credit for standing the test of time. Um, Regularly, even today, people will pull the 5.0, which was fuel-injected. and put that into all sorts of cars, kit cars, sure. or likewise, the, even the early today. cars were still carbureted. The first okay. Fox bodies were still carbureted. They were a 302 cubic inch, just like the. Actually, I don't think they even came out the 302 first. I think it was a 4.9 first. Like, uh, not quite the same. It was a little bit smaller, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, 4. I don't. 4. I don't, liter. I don't know a ton about the Fox bodies because they have also never quite piqued my interest. 
Same here, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm probably going to get it wrong. I think there was a 4.2 that came out, like a 281 cubic inch or something like that. Oh, weird. In the first Fox bodies, and then the 5 liter came right afterwards. Hmm. I do know that, and I'm going to be, you know, kind of a jerk here yeah. with my, my Dodge Gold love. I do know that in 1979, I have a Motor Trend magazine that has the Dodge Colt article in it, which was the first front-wheel drive Dodge Colt with the twin-stick transmission with the four-cylinder. Uh, it was faster than the Mustang V8 in every Oof. measured test, yeah, Oof. which is really funny. That hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, chime yeah. in here. 1980, 302 was dropped, replaced by a 119 horsepower, 255 cubic inch okay, yeah. V8. Did That's you say 119 horsepower? Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is 1980. Oh, my goodness. Which is why, like, the 100 horsepower Colt beat it, because it weighed uh, probably 1,000 pounds less. Yeah, and I hate to say this, <laughs> even the fuel-injected version of the 5.0, if I'm not mistaken, was around 200. 120 25 horsepower i think it peaked at like 235 in a standard car maybe a little mm. bit more when the cobra came out so in 82 they brought um they brought back the 5.0 at that time it was rated at 157 horsepower oh but that's 82 but man the sound those three oh those five liter 302s they sound good There's which no is question. why people put them in their cobra kit cars when they're sure. trying to save money sure and every fox body has the same modifications Underdrive pulleys and flowmasters. Yes, <laughs> and they all sound the same. And they all look the same. And one thing, I, you know, I, I, I've never been a Fox Body guy, but one thing I've been thinking about lately, uh, in anticipation of this episode, is that, you know, you, you we went through a rough time with, you know, the the, um, you know, oil embargoes and the the emissions, um, you know, troubles and all that with the Mustang Two and all that kind of stuff. So. On one hand, it's amazing that that version of the Mustang didn't just kill off the entire model line. But, you know, you get the Fox bodies and that, I think, was really a shot in the arm for the model to, to carry it forward. But then, you know, there was a time when Ford was thinking about replacing it with a front wheel drive car, like as early as the late 80s. But, you know, there was a there was a campaign of Mustang owners and like enthusiasts and even magazines that were writing into Ford telling them, look, don't do this, you know? And so of course that eventually became the Ford probe, but you know, this very unfortunately named Ford probe, <laughs> which is a Mazda MX six, if I'm not mistaken underneath. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Mustang enthusiasts were not happy when they heard that that might be a thing. Yeah. So, I, listen, the Fox body is near and dear to me because I grew up, in high school in the 90s. Sounds like you should buy a 2024 Mustang with the so, digital dash. That I don't want that. The <laughs> so in, in the 90s, the car enthusiast, like high school kids, mm -hmm. could afford an 80s Fox Body Mustang because they were like $1,500. So yeah. they were almost everybody who was into cars in my high school had a Fox Body Mustang. So they were just ubiquitous. They were everywhere. Hmm. So I kind of have a soft spot for them because of that. Do you have a soft Makes spot sense. for vanilla ice? No, I don't. I could live without vanilla ice. Uh, and actually, his particular brand of Mustang isn't what I'd want anyway. I don't want a GT convertible automatic with a white interior. I would like... Oh, I thought it was white with a red interior. I think the vanilla ice car is white on white. I could be wrong. Well, oh, we'll he still has right it, right? Yes. It's, it's one Google search away. It is one Google search away. Uh, my right my preferred Fox body is either a very end-of-run Cobra or a very early-run 85 4-ride car. After the early, early four-ride cars with the separate grill in the middle. I don't prefer that. It's the 
first kind of refreshed design, like 84, 85, that I'm more into. Isn't the Fox body also the, when they made the Cobra R, didn't they only build like 114 or something like that? There aren't many Cobra Rs in the Fox body. Yeah, there's only, I think there's only 100 something before they discontinued them. Looks like Derek has been for here for us on the ice. On yeah, ice it's a it's a white car. So this vintage photo shows a white Mustang convertible with, with white, white wheels and a white interior. Yeah, let's see. You, yeah, you can see his uh, head, headrest monocolor builds. Really, the, was, the only monocolor that looks good is like black cars or like period correct Koenig special cars. But at the time, monochromatic was the look. If you look at Hot Rod yeah. magazines of the time, people were taking 60s cars and sanding off all the chrome and painting them the same color as the car. So that was definitely the thing at the time. Yeah. The, the Regis Philbin, who wants to be a millionaire costume, basically. You know, just the whole monochromatic look. Which is funny because you know a, what That's I a real do. deep cut, Derek. I don't get the reference. <laughs> if, if somebody made me buy a Fox body and said, here, you need to enjoy this car, I think the first thing I would do, obviously I'd want it to be period correct, but the first thing I would do is get it painted to look like the white styrofoam cups that came with like the green and uh, blue. You're terrible you know, human being. Desi- period designs in like the 90s. Oh, like the swirl Yes, the 90s. I would design that on the side of it. solo cup. What? Solo, it's not a solo cup. cup, is it? 100% it's called a solo when cup. When I think of solo cup, I think of the red plastic cup that you yeah, used to play too. beer pong. But the solo, solo livery, I think, is that is that style you're talking about. It white, would make sense if they're made blue. by the same that company. Be, that would be a sweet car. It had to be a convertible, <laughs> too, I think. That would be sweet. I would rock that if it had the cup design on it. No. Yes. Terrible human being. <laughs> I've never heard that idea before. That idea is very popular. I like it. That's mine. In the, the, the Radwood movement, there's a bunch of cars painted like that, and they're all terrible. But I will say, <laughs> so. it, it uh, the Fox body does a fantastic job of rocking uh, the multi-spoke BBS wheels. Sure. It looks fantastic on it's, those. It's, it's, I like Fox bodies. Again, I grew up with them. Probably why. But, I mean, they brought back the performance potential of the Mustang. Maybe not at first, but... There was definitely enough bolt-on parts that you could make one fast. We were still figuring out emissions at the yeah. time. Yeah. Well, and then within that generation, you know, you saw Celine modifying Mustangs. And then toward the, I guess it was at the very end of the Fox body, uh, you had the Ford Special Vehicle team become an official group. So, well, before that, it was Special Vehicle Operations, which was in 84, which we kind of forgot about as an important Fox body Mustang, which that was the first turbocharged Mustang, the mm. 84 SVO, yeah. which had the 2.3 liter turbocharged fuel injected. You know what else we haven't engine, talked about? Which I do love. And this is like a very rare car that you never hear anything about, and I'm not sure anybody really has much information on it. The McLaren. The ASC McLaren. Yes. So that was a car built by American Sunroof Corporation where they took Mustang convertibles Mm -hmm. and they cut, I think it's six inches out of the wheelbase and made them two seaters and they're bizarre. I don't, they're always like that orange color. They're mostly red. Uh, It's black as a color too. Hmm. They changed the interior to like a nice leather interior in them. They were very much in the same vein as like the Maserati LeBarons. (laughs) Like they're just, (laughs) just why does this exist? Yeah, it's definitely a, why does this exist moment in, in car history? There, there's been quite a few of those. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we can actually do a whole special episode on cars mm-hmm. tied into other manufacturers or branding if we wanted to. It's definitely yes. a thing. So um, moving on, because we are running tight on time. Okay. Uh, the next couple of generations, I think, are less iconic. I'll get out of here, Brad. Uh, that's Probably no, because I, I love old cars, but that's... 
just my personal opinion. The next car is the 94 SN94. SN95, which was promoted as an all new car, but is really kind of just a box body. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, oh, the first ones are. There was a pretty big change with the new edge. Chassis was still uh, the same. Change. Well, right. But there was a lot of uh, heavier changes um, in terms of options the cobras changed at that point too so early cobras are much different than later cobras in this generation and there's a big difference in the engines horsepower output and of course the value now because of that well it's interesting because when the car first came out ford kind of made a mistake because they were building this 4.6 liter modular they called it it was overhead cam yes v8 and they realized that it wasn't ready for production when the car is ready for production. And so the first year or two, maybe, maybe just first year, they still came with the 225 horsepower 5 liter. Yikes. So it was like, here's this all new car, everybody. Same old engine. Same engine. Well, yeah. Same chassis. Another, just you know, looking. another uh, I think, sort of a downside to those early SN95s, I think it was a 94, 95, they had the vertical or the horizontal taillights which to me i mean you know the tri bar vertical tri bar taillights have always been a trademark of the car and that, that just which they have, they always, later. Of it. have they always they been did. a trademark of the car have they always to, been to me they have i mean you look at the even the first ones you know they got yeah, the tri bar yeah but we just ended, talked about the fox body the ended, fox body didn't have it ended in from so 64 to 72 uh, or 71 yeah. is it nuts yeah. and then after that you didn't have them again so you might say that there they're is a terrible big gap. because they're horizontal but which brought, makes the new edge but it brought back special the three bar taillights maybe the wrong direction but it's because of that car they came back now Good before point. the new edge the early SN95s, they did shift them to a horizontal one. They were a wide horizontal versus the, the thin right. ones. So they did change it on that body style. And the new edge car kind of went away from it a little bit because it became a one-piece taillight again, which it had like steps or levels in between the, the three bars. Yeah, I like three bulbs. I personally yeah. really yeah. like the new edge. And not just because it started with the 2000 Cobra R. I like the new edge cars. I think they're very good-looking cars. Um, granted... And they also featured a interior restyling as well um, with the update of that. So there's some changes between the early SN195 cars and the new edge cars. Very more importantly, styling. The engines were the same. Yeah, the interior, 4.6. interior design is very similar. They're not ergonomically great cars, but they're, no, fun. they're, not. they're fun cars. Yeah. They're, they're kind of weird on the interior if you've ever sat in one. The, uh, the passenger side is very weird to ride in. Yep. Yeah, they're bizarre cars. The shifter's in a weird position. The steering wheel's in a weird position. Lack of cup holders. Uh, you can, well, that's the era. That's the era. That's just every car. Uh, you, you could definitely get away with driving one daily. It's not uncomfortable. It's just oh, not 100%. ideal. You could, yeah, absolutely. I think you could daily, uh, I mean, I don't know much about reliability of Mustang 2s, but I think Fox bodies, all, a lot of those yeah, you could daily. You could daily Mustang, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, especially in a place like Arizona. Maybe not a Cobra R, two thousand Cobra R, but well, uh, you probably wouldn't want to do that because <laughs> of how much they're worth these days. Well, and then yeah, they they stripped a lot of stuff out of them to for the track. But yeah, I mean, you know, I've that's something I've discovered over the past almost month is just you know dailying a Mustang, even a V eight Mustang. You know, it's really not that bad. They're great cruisers. Mm -hmm. Which. For those of you that don't know, the Cobra R, um, Google it because it looks cool. 
especially its period correct performance. But sure. it was in order to buy one, you had to be somebody. Um, I believe Ford handpicked everyone that could buy it, and it was usually racing drivers. Interesting. And then, in addition to that, the engine was a 5.4 liter engine um, that was specifically built, and would, the heads would later be used on the Ford GT that would come out in 05. Right. Which is wild to think about that. Yeah, the Cobras are cool. And then I guess that the SN95 and the New Age cars kind of really brought back the Mustang performance. I mean, you had some performance 5 liters and you had the Cobra R at the end and the Cobra at the end, which were pretty high performing for their time. Yeah. But really, in this generation, they really started to figure out how to make power while still having acceptable enough economy and acceptable emissions. And then we got we got the Cobra the supercharged Cobras in yes. 2003, yeah, mm-hmm. which was like a whole, like, whoa, like what, where did yep. this car come from? And this car came with like full independent suspension and the supercharger. And, and a it was six-speed. A six-speed manual. It was, it was a huge leap in performance technology for the Mustang at that time. So, and that kind of really heralded, you know, the what's to come with Mustang and how, you know, here in 2022, we can buy what, 700 horsepower? 760 in the Se- GT500, yeah. Absolutely insanity, that <laughs> That's not even the highest horsepower muscle car. <laughs> yeah, a- absolute insanity. That, that, I'm going to be old man here, but that shouldn't exist. <laughs> it, should, it should be harder. It, fast cars should exist, but it should be harder to get one than just you should have signing like on the line. Horsepower rating on your license is what you're approved to drive. Honestly, like tiered licensing. Oh, are you like 16? They do with, you need yeah. to keep it under 400. Yeah, 400. <laughs> 200. You, you, you would do more than that. Right. I, listen, I was Corolla. 16 with a 75 horsepower, 3800 pound car. So to be fair, I guess 400. There's a lot of cars that don't have 400 horsepower. So no, there's a lot of fast cars that don't have 400 yeah, horsepower. That's so. true. Four is a big number. It is. Um, All right, so moving, moving on. on. We S197. Are, yeah. 2005 <laughs> to 2009. This is the well, first 2014 actually retro Mustang. So there are several facelifts to get yeah. started. So there's mm-hmm. 05 to 2009. Uh, then there's 10, I guess, is kind of its... 10's a weird year because it was... Yeah. It was so the new body style, but before then, the new 5.0. Yeah. So 10. Then there's 11 which is also kind of its own, then 12, and then 13, 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it, to me, yeah, to me, I always group it into three, the three series, you know, because mm-hmm. I always go by the taillights, among other things, but mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah, some of it is like engine options, too, oh, is yeah, what definitely, separates yeah. some of the generations. Obviously, we saw the introduction of the Coyote yeah. um, for the S197. So. Yeah, they came with a, with a 4.6 originally. Correct. Yeah, but they, so they added 05, like variable valve timing or something to them, which was big in 05. They didn't have that in the uh, earlier cars, I don't think. Let's see. I think 05 to 09 was pretty similar. But more importantly, what came in 05 was the retro futurism styling. Yes. So to counter your argument earlier, these look the most like a first generation These Mustang. are the first official retro styled cars. But what I'm saying is that I think that the Fox body was designed to mimic the first gen mustang it might not have been considered a retro car overall because it wasn't like in your face this is retro it was also right. modern but it was i think at the time designed to be the but it, you're right these these are the first ones that are actually like hey this is a retro mustang but that if you remember was the huge trend in the late 90s early 2000s we got the new beetle we got the pt cruisers unfortunately <laughs> i shouldn't say that we have listeners pt cruisers no pt cruiser is unfortunate that is one of the most mechanically plagued vehicles on the planet you That's are true. allowed to say unfortunately when you're talking about pt cruisers yeah, Those ssrs are hhrs 
I mean, they were just so yeah. The 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 Volkswagen bus was designed again. Then it still hasn't come out yet. Every year, it's like next year. <laughs> uh, no, the new Volkswagen bus is actually out in Europe right is now. Is it out now? Yep. Okay. And Jay Leno's garage, I think they just drove one with Fluffy, who has a large collection of buses. Interesting. Oh yeah, he loves those things. But S one ninety sevens. The other thing that a lot of people don't know. So GT originally a four six. Uh, you could actually get a Tremec. Um, mm-hmm. There were two different versions of the Tremec. There was a uh, five-speed, um, and then there was a, I think, a six-speed as well, available for some of the higher performance. Not cars. originally. They were all five-speeds. But they There's had the two five, different five-speeds, five right? Five R, five, five, five S or so something like that. The was GT like the... was a T5, but yep. then the upgraded ones was a... Oh, three, TR, TR, TR something. TR 3350 or something like numbers. that. Yeah, it's the, four the F, numbers. The FR, S, S, S. Three, three, three with an automatic. Yes, there were so, two Tremex, which yeah. is cool because obviously we eventually switched to the MT eighty two. Yeah, that which is mixed has emotions some, about mixed that. Emotions, yes. Although it is a six speed, but yeah, they um, they they did not get off to a great start with those. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they're cool. This was the, this was you know they continued with the performance packages. You wound up with Cobras and GT five hundreds and GT three fifties and all these kind of neat things that had been gone forever. Yep. And they came back for this car. Yeah, I mean, and Carroll Shelby himself, though, 7 GT500, you know, they patched things up and started yeah. cranking out cars again. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're very cool. There are some other... These were the first Mustangs, really, too, where they pushed track performance versus just, like, straight-line performance mm-hmm. in their marketing. You know, they had... I think it was, this is the Laguna Seca. The Laguna Seca package, too, didn't they? Just yeah, like the BMW. Yeah, yeah. That came in red and black and black and red. I think yeah, the only something options. like that. Or orange, maybe? No, yeah, I think they only came in the two colors. Yeah. I think and it if, was black with red or red with black. And if I remember correctly, at the time, they one of the magazines tested a Laguna Seca Boss 302 against an M3 at the time, and it was you know holding its own, if not you know coming out ahead against it, yeah, which was crazy. remarkable for a Mustang. It's, it's almost like an RS package in like the Porsche world, but for Mustangs, because sure. it came with the roll cage, no rear seats, I think like stiffening, I think, and some of the other upgraded uh, coilovers or suspension and stuff like that as well, I believe. So not to spend too little time on this car. Um, I love the 197s. <laughs> the, bu- the, the, bullet, the bullet came back as well during this, which is important yes, to talk yes. about. We can't leave Derek hanging here. <laughs> Thank Wait, you, no. Brad. Didn't uh, bullets come out in S195? No, they came out in New Edge uh, 2001. That was the first oh, you know, right, two yes. factory-made yeah, 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 yeah. bullet. Yes. Yeah. That was uh, the first oops. year for bullets. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and the, the weird thing about those was they made them, obviously, in the, the green. They mm-hmm. made them in black, but they also offered that generation in, like, a dark blue. Yeah, they yeah. did that for the S550s, too, and I don't understand that. It's because people wanted that other package. They just didn't want the Highland Green. Well, no, the S550, I think it was only dark Highland Green and black. Oh, God, there's so many things. Where, uh, that's all coming to my head. Uh, the S195 also had a shaker uh, True. Mach 1. Yep. An yeah. actual shaker. shaker hood. Yeah. I totally cool spaced stuff. that. Those are really cool. Um, which, obviously, we we haven't seen since. S550. S550. Uh, five liter base for the GT. Now available with EcoBoost and V6, which would later be killed off in 2019. The V6 would be removed from... Or was it 16? Yeah, 16 or 19. <sighs> the V6 was killed, I think. And then it was now it's just EcoBoost and GT towards as we come to the end of the production run. And then you had in 2018 you had a facelift, and then yep. the, I think that was the same year they switched the 5.0 to direct and port fuel injection. You get more power, uh, yeah, different we looks, m- front and rear. Moved up to 480, 470. The um, so outside of like the bullet, the highest horsepower, you know, 
GT in the S550 generation is 460. Mm-hmm. Which has come a long ways from when it was the first generation yeah, the, of Coyote. Yeah, the early, the first Coyotes was 412, then they got bumped up to 420, and then I think the next stage was, yeah, 460. Very nice. Uh, my personal favorite of the S550 generation is the GT350. Naturally aspirated 5.2 liter uh, Predator engine, or Voodoo. Voodoo. Predator's yeah. the GT500. Yeah. Uh, the Predator engine. Predator's the engine they sell at Harbor Freight for your water pumps and stuff. <laughs> yeah, not even. <laughs> no, do not get those confused. So 5.2 liter naturally aspirated 526 horsepower flat plane crank V8. Yeah. That is, That's with cool. a Tremec, six speed. That is that is the car. Yeah, if I had to buy a Mustang, I wanted S550 GT350. That's also the car I would buy because it's also the most track focused yes. of all of them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely a good handling car. So. Yes. Uh because we're short on time, we're not going to spend a lot of time on these newer cars because they're newer and mm-hmm. we are auto hunter and classic cars. So we like to go they're with the older cars. stuff. They're collector cars for sure. But we like to, we kind of like to focus on the older stuff. Plus the newer stuff, there's so much information out there. So real quickly, around the room, favorite generation Mustang, Derek. And one sentence why. <laughs> well, I think it's it's probably obvious at this point. Um, I, I put my money where my uh, daydreams were, you know, got the 08 bullet. Uh, of course, there are a lot of great Mustangs out there, but, you know, this just had so much going for it. I mean, and not to rattle on too long, but yeah, you know, it's it's dated, especially compared to an S550 that, you know, the, it's it's just one way you can't adjust the suspension the exhaust the drive modes or anything but a lot of its more dated uh characteristics i think are part of its charm to me you know because it, it makes it a little more retro there's a reason we drive old cars we like the old car feeling uh, i'll go next so that uh jeff can properly make fun of both of us today's answer yes <laughs> um i'm not going to sit here and be real jerky about it and say that the mustang 2 is my favorite because it's not uh, I also said that I love the Fox Body Mustangs because that I grew up with them. Everybody mm-hmm. had them in high school. Yep. You can hear one coming a mile away. You know exactly what it is. There's no mistaking it. Uh, but my favorite generation is the first generation Mustangs. And I prefer the early cars. I know I talked about a story earlier where we have a 68, <laughs> but I do prefer the 64, 5, 6 basic cars in a notchback done up in kind of like a, a vintage club racer kind of style. That's really my... If I were to build a Mustang, that's what I would do. Yeah, I can't. I can't blame you for that. So I guess to pick my favorite generation, that's so funny that we went in the order we did because I was going to talk about how much I love the S one ninety sevens because of the retro futurism, but the real answer is always going to be the first generation okay. because there's just so many flavors, so many engine options, yep. so many different packages, and the body restyling happens every like two years. So and there's so many different parts available for it. Restoration is every, easy. Bo- full bodies. You can if buy you have a everything. Chassis, you can buy the chassis. You yeah. just need a Vintag. All you need is a firewall and a Vintag. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I look at them in terms of the James Bond movies. They're the first generation Mustangs are like the Sean Connery because they started it all mm-hmm. classic style. They they set the the you know template for the rest of them to come. So the drive the bid recommendation is a first gen or the S one ninety seven, which looks the most like the first gen. <laughs> <laughs> I still think the box body does, but get out of here, Brad. <laughs> Um, so, if you're interested in buying a Mustang, we have tons of Mustangs that actually come through Auto Hunter regularly, and their siblings, which we talked about uh, some of, including a Maverick that's actually currently on the site as well. So, yep. be sure to check that out if you're Absolutely. interested in buying yourself a Mustang. And that being said, please visit us at AutoHunter.com, ClassicCars.com, and uh, tune in next week for another hour of our opinions that uh, we will spout off. 
Yeah, plenty of trash talking. <laughs> plenty of, plenty trash, of talking. trash talking. Bad everybody.